0: Swinging strike three, he struck out a really impressive bottom of the eighth inning for right-hander Colby White.
1: You know, you hear kids talk about these guys that play at this stage and stuff, and, and every kid wants wants to, and, and that's kind of molded me into being able to succeed at this level. Spencer said, Colby, you just got drafted in the sixth round. And I thought he was joking, then I started thinking about uh, you know, how hard I've worked just to get here and just build a pitch here. And then thinking about that, I started crying a little bit. Just when I get in, I know I got three outs to get. It's me versus whoever steps in the box. They're going to catch hell for, for three outs. All
0: right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Brushing the Back with Kobe White. Kobe, how you Need to get you back to Hundy as quick as we can. That's it. All uh, right, we're gonna shift from our favorite pitcher to one of the most. Uh, he's just a large character. We're just gonna leave it at that. We'll get into the large part in a minute. But he was just—he was quite a character during his playing days, and we were excited to get an opportunity to have him on the show. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the show today, Mr. Kevin Minch. Kevin, how you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for having me on. I'm able just to finally sit down for the weekend. Big time character back in the day um is it because you came from a
2: tiny little state of
0: delaware that you had this chip on your shoulder the entire time you were trying to play ball
2: not not at all i've always been outgoing that way i've just been i mean you put me in a room with a hundred people i mean i'm gonna probably talk to as many as i can you know i wasn't that guy who stood in the corner i wanted to be involved you know it's funny you talk about wanting to talk about do that, yet I can't stand in front of a crowd and get up there on a soapbox and talk that's the you know, everybody's see I don't mind the indirect spotlight, I think it's the direct spotlight that bothers me but, you know, I've always been outgoing, had fun uh, witty, sarcastic basically just a smartass from, you know, from the mid-Atlantic region
1: <laughs> Right <laughs> So, uh so you, go ahead, Coach So you, so you grew up in uh, Wilmington I, I, that's correct, right? Yes, sir Born in Delaware. Um, Delaware. You still there today? Is it kind of your that's your hometown? You stay there? Or you, uh, no, I live, you
2: live. I live just outside of Fort Worth. Now I've been here in Keller, Texas, for 19 years now, and it's it. You
3: know, it's the, the weather and everything else, but I, I do miss the seasons changing for sure. I like I like the
2: uh, the green grass, being able to lay in the grass. Here, the stuff we have is almost it's a vine. We have, uh, St. Augustine. I would like that Bermuda. Be able just to lay in it. I miss that. I miss. I miss the snow. I mean, I sweat in a meat locker. So I mean, anything over eighty degrees, I'm just, I'm just a full on. Well, sport. you are dying in the state of Texas,
3: eh?
2: Oh gosh, <laughs> man. you're lucky I, you caught me with my shirt and stuff on, because my son and I, it just we just wander. <laughs> if we could, I would just be in flip flops and shorts, nothing else. All
0: right, so quick question for you: coming from Delaware. Um, it, was it always your dream as being a Delaware guy to go and represent um, you know, for the university itself, the University of Delaware? Because, I mean, you are their most famous along.
2: Um you see, always talk about people that have gone to Delaware. Uh, Joe Flacco went to Delaware. Rich Gannon went to Delaware. They're not from Delaware, though. Myself, um, Elena Deladon, you know plays in WNBA, she's a Delaware girl. She went to Delaware. I'm a Deladon. I- grew up three miles from the university. So I was, you know, just, that's just who I am. I just, you know, I would never been uh, west of the Mississippi playing baseball. So, and I just, you know, you just wanted to be something where, you know, you put Delaware on the map, I'll always be a 302 guy for life. i you know, that's just, that's just where I'm from. I just, I just, but you know, I just, just the horizons that were there able to, I mean, I wasn't recruited very much out of high school. You know, I think I was kind of a chip on my shoulder not getting drafted out of high school. But, you know, I just – I ran with it. And I was fortunate enough going uh, through summer ball into college and having coaches that all played through different levels of minor league baseball. So, you know, I was kind of around that atmosphere and knowing – and just seeing how they carry themselves and how they handle themselves. And, you know, you take bits and pieces of that, and that, that put me to where I am, you know, today.
0: You said you weren't heavily recruited. Kobe and you can uh... – that's kind of like your story, too. Uh, now, I don't, oh, yeah. when he says not heavily recruited, he might have had 20 or 30 schools looking at him, and he says not heavily recruited. But uh, Kobe was in a situation to where he Kobe, how many D- Division one offers did you have out of high school? I didn't have a
1: single one, and I only had one junior college offer. So I, I was pretty low on options. If I wanted to play, it was go to Pearl River, which everything worked out. But, yeah, I, I can imagine how that – I'm sure he had a whole lot more uh, – interest in that but it's a weird feeling knowing that that's your only option and it's I guess it kind of blind is blinds everything else out saying hey it's just baseball you know just go play baseball don't worry about all the clout with get recruited and doing all this and doing all that just play ball you know I mean I really
2: didn't I mean as much as you want to leave I was from a small town I didn't didn't know anybody I wanted my family to be able to watch me play so you know the head coach of dell at the time was Bob Hanna. I mean, he's had over 1,000 wins in Division One baseball, and I grew up around the program, and the assistant coach at the time played up the AAA ball. And so, I mean, I, you know, those guys, it was just kind of, you know, part, it was part of the family, right? I'm just, I've always been that way. i just, you know, I, I grow attached to things, and I kind of just keep, you know, I, I don't try and, I don't veer off too much. I mean, it's, I, I like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the loyalty. I guess is a word that I you know so I don't I don't change a lot through different things I have you know I just you know living here in Keller for 19 years same pest control people you know the same you know electricians that stuff I mean people that I just you know it, it becomes part of the family and that's what I was looking for when I was when I was at Delaware to be able to do that to see my friends but still be able to play baseball. You were looking for familiarity. Yes. Sir. Yep. Yeah. You like the convenience, of familiarity. I've heard that term a thousand times. And then so 98. Playing there, I got to go out to Team USA, and that was a different story, just different in, in general. You know, i never be playing baseball. Now I'm playing with these kids from all these the top-division-one programs that you see, and, you know, I'm playing on the same field with them, go up to Cape Cod, you know, play, play up there for a year, and end up getting drafted the following year. And, you know, like I said, here we are now, it 22 years later. Well, you didn't waste well, you a lot of time. When you were drafted, you didn't
0: waste a lot of time. And the minors. He said, I got to, I'm, I'm putting my stamp on this. I'm getting to the pros as quick as possible. Right. It,
2: and it, it helped too. throughout every manager I had had played at the major league level, you know, so I had guys around me, coaches around me to be able to, Hey, that's not going to work here. This is what's good. And, you know, and I think the coachability of wanting to learn and be the best that I could, I was taking as much as I could, every which way I could. And I was, and I was running with it. And, uh, you know, in the group that we had drafted that year in 99, uh, myself, Colby Lewis, Hank Blalock, and then Aaron Harang were, through the first five rounds, I think they were five of our first seven or eight picks, you know, because you get a couple in there. You know, we all came through the system really together. So, I mean, you were able you round around guys too, you know, that family you have and you're climbing that ladder together.
0: Sounds so, like your. I feel like I'm been listening to your story, but it's just coming out of Delaware. So.
1: Yeah, with a whole lot more success coming from Delaware. Come so. on
0: now, don't don't <laughs> change yourself.
1: Well, this is uh this is kind of back a little further than college and all that. Were you a multi sport guy? Do you believe that uh, playing other sports is a big thing to help with with y- your baseball career personally, or were you just a baseball guy from the time you could That's, walk? Absolutely. I mean, we had seasons. So I couldn't play
2: baseball year-round like you can here in Texas. Played hockey in the wintertime, and I played soccer in the fall, And despite the fact that I hate running. So, I mean, I'm playing. So I was able to do that. You know, different sports, you know, helps out because you have – it's almost a different demographics as well You know that I've played with growing. So you have – there's a lot of different pieces that go into it. And, you know, I always – even when I was coaching here, I tell my boys, get – Go do something else. Go get away from baseball. Get away from it. Go be a kid. I was able to do that as well growing up because I remember those kids. Uh, hey, let's go ride bikes. But now my dad's taking me to batting cage, this and that. And I just and those are the guys that, as you know, as you get older, those guys start to take off and just to kind of you know go away from it just because they couldn't they couldn't do it, do it anymore and it just got burned out. And I think that's that helped me of, deal, of knowing that different mentalities that go into the sports and being able to, you know, to take it over. Uh, a good buddy of mine grew up playing hockey with was a great baseball player, played in the NHL. Uh, Mark Eaton, he and I were inducted into the state hall of fame together a few years back. Uh, you know, that was, that was something really special because, you know, we, we
0: had played together in different sports. He was a hell of a baseball player as well. When you um, had
2: your opportunity,
0: uh, you, you were drafted, went through the minors, you finally made it to the show. You were a younger guy that got an opportunity to play around quite a few veterans. I've, I've heard in a couple of other interviews you've done where you talked about how you were smart enough, and you were talking about teachability earlier, and you were smart enough to, to kind of absorb everything these older guys were telling you. So are there, I know you play, how, how many actual MLB teams did you actually play for? Four teams, and then, of course, you played overseas. We'll talk about that in just a second. You got that one guy on, like, every team you were on that you kind of leaned on, maybe a mentor or somebody you, you ultimately respected and you kind of mimicked their game? I, 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 my brothers were 10 to 14 years older than I was, so I always gravitated towards the older group of guys. So when I got here to the big leagues, I had Kenny Rogers, you know, Pudge, Juan, Raffy, Alex, uh, Israel Valdez, or
2: Herbert Perry, Jay Powell, guys that had had, you know, 10-plus years in the big leagues, and here's this little, you know, this little rookie, and I wasn't conforming to how, you know, be seen and not heard just because that was just my personality. I mean, my bench coach, Terry Francona, uh, Jerry Nair was my manager that year, Oscar Acosta, pitching coach, Rudy Armillo, my hitting coach, guys that had been around. So, you know, I knew if I got out of line or something, yeah, you know, somebody would say something, I mean, heck, Rudy would put me in a headlock and wrestle and tackle somebody, but but I could handle it because having older brothers, I kind of expected it, you know, so I was taking in every little bit that I could. And, you know, I mentioned that group, you got pitchers, infielders, outfielders, it just, I kind of gravitate towards different ones. I didn't really just stick to one group. I just, you try and figure out who has the best knowledge, who you can get from it, at, at certain points. And that's, that was the beauty of it. You know, I go to Milwaukee, I had... Uh, Tony Graffanino, Jeff Jenkins, guys that were you know older there. I go to uh, Toronto. I've got, uh, I mean, Doc Holliday's there. You got uh, AJ Burnett, uh, Greg Zahn, these older. Got Vernon Wells. these older guys that I you know been around playing. But now I'm in the clubhouse with them, uh, Washington. You know Zimmerman, Dunn. These guys that I that I've been around, and it's the information you grasp is just. I mean, you're still learning from
1: these guys, right? You've been in the league now for eight, nine years. You're still learning, grasping this. And baseball's still evolving. We're still learning, right? I think just nowadays they've kind of overthought baseball and making it actually harder than it is. Exactly. Well, I, I heard somebody say one time, uh, you know, when you get to the big leagues, it ain't going up from AAA to the big leagues. You're playing some guys or playing with some guys that's been there for 10, 15 years, and they're on level 15 of the major leagues. They don't they done made that many more jumps, you know, by learning the whole time they've been there. And that's the thing that, you know, obviously AAA or whatever is is one jump, but it's crazy to me. Like, I had a manager in A, and uh, he played in the big leagues for, for a few years. And the, the things that he was saying, been things I'd never heard before, and that's what's so cool about it, and then when you talk to other guys that's been in there, they'll say the same things. And it's like, if you weren't in that that era or in the big leagues at that time, you're not going to hear that, you know. It's like, like, this ain't just general knowledge that's being spread all over the Internet. You know, it's tried and true stuff that people have heard. That's what's co- cool about, especially conversations like this, but, like, getting in-depth day-to-day with baseball guys, you know. you think about this, you, know, you
2: remember as a kid, your parents saying – it's gonna be like this when you get older. And what do we as kids say? No, it's not. And then you get to that point when you're older, and you go, "They were right." You know, and hitch- that's how it is, right? And that's what it, because why? Because they've been they've been a parent, and they know what it's like. We haven't been parents, and that's exactly what comes back to what you're talking about, as a, because the coaches that have played at that that highest level know one the mentality that goes into it. Two, and what your body goes into it on a daily basis, right? You know, a guy who never played above eight ball can't sit there and tell a guy what it's like to play big just because he read a book, right? It's not you, – you've yeah. got to actually sort of be in the situation. And that's and that, that's what differentiates, you
3: know, the guy because playing at that level and you know, I hear guys talk, coaches, I mean, even in youth sports. And I just sit around and just bang my head against the wall and then just – you know, you don't even want to hear me just because it's – you don't want to seem rude, but at the same time, it, you know, please just stop talking because you're not you're not helping the situation. And, and it's hard, right? but, you know, especially as
2: players, but, you know, if you want to learn and get to that level, you know, anybody, everybody, uh, yeah, you may have played a little bit, but, no, I want to talk to that guy because he's been there, right? I want to know because it, what do I need to do to get to that point? Exactly.
1: Yeah, and the thing that's funny to me is, like, uh, Speaking of, like, people that read stuff and all that, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the internet now, and it, a lot of times when you do your research on it, the only thing they'll have to back it is like, okay, this was a very smart guy. So you can be as smart as you want, but if you didn't live it, if you didn't experience it detail, you know, like, if somebody have a 32 ACT, but if they played in, a, in low A, how are they going to tell somebody that played in the big leagues for 10 years or so anything different? That That's what kind of kills me about society today is... We try to stretch it to where it's not what it directly is, besides playing the game,
2: you know? they making it harder, and the gimmicks and the gurus that go with it, I mean, it's it's one thing that, with, that they're trying to almost reinvent the wheel, right? It's it's, it's not that hard. It's, 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 it's And this generation, they need less information. They need more doing and less less absorbed. They need to do. I always, I always tell people that this generation is now – they're not proactive, they're reactive. They have to be told what to do, you know, instead
3: of mm-hmm. saying, and I think a lot of us have come to these coaches saying, we, we all want to, tell them, want to tell them what to do as opposed to saying, well, what do you see? Well, is that right or wrong? And let them decide, well, wrong. Well, then what do you do? And then they actually have to process, right? They have to start to think as opposed to just sitting there waiting for you to say what to do. Right? You've seen these kids and playing at the youth level. Guys at third base tagging up, flat ball right field, and I see the runners sitting there they're looking at their third base coach.
2: <laughs> Turn around, watch the game happen, right? You see these guys on the iPad <laughs> in the dugout. You, you can't learn too much unless you're sitting actually watching the game, knowing what's going to happen, right? Because especially on TV, you only see what you see on the camera. You, you're not seeing, you know, the outfielders move or talking. and That's the biggest thing that people don't get is, Knowing hitters, right? Knowing pitchers' tendencies, what they're gonna do, telling an outfielder that hey, I'm gonna slide in. Tell them, I was telling somebody the other day about this. If I was moving over in left field, I'd tell make sure I told Michael young Mikey, hey, I'm right here. Just so you know, I mean you always have that interaction. You, you know, you can't you can't get that from sitting here watching it on an iPad. That's the stuff that they don't <laughs> that they don't teach. They just assume that, you know, watch iPad and go. Exactly. So you are a
0: uh, you are not an analytics guy,
2: is what you're telling me. It's called analytics, by the way.
0: Well, I actually I actually heard uh, a, as a matter of fact a, a, a former player, uh Jeff Fry, who you're probably very familiar with, he actually made that comparison with the analytics as you call yeah. so, it. <laughs> he's he's not big on the numbers. He's not a numbers guy, so
2: I'm, and those guys that are big on the numbers are the same ones that probably follow the science, right? I fuck. No, I'm not that guy. Did it worked. What did you do? All right, did it work for you? All right, let me let me take a little bit. Now, numbers don't say that, right? I'm not a I'm not a numbers guy. I want to see it. Right But they say the proof is in the pudding. Right, show me the pudding. And that, and that's that's that. I'm I'm an old school guy, and that's what we've gotten away from, right? The money ball. Right? And we've we talked about, I think i talked about it as what on one day on, on my show. This, it only works. It, it doesn't work in a short series. Right? I think this since Moneyball, the A's have been to 1A LCS, and they got swept by Detroit. And since then, nothing. But, it, right, the numbers say, nah, don't throw numbers at me. I want to see if visually sleep. You can't use the, t-
0: go ahead, go ahead, go. Well, I mean, like to add to what
1: you're saying is like, you know, a lot with the analytics, they'll tell a pitcher, "Oh, you need to throw this pitch," or tell a hitter, "Your your swing path is this or this or that." But he feels it, you know, like he knows, okay, this is a good pitch to throw here. He doesn't have to have a computer tell him, "Okay, I I need to throw this." This is this is what makes this, you know, because I feel like you play the game off of results. You know, you don't play it off of what your perceived results would be. Like, oh, I think this is going to happen. Well, if you've done it enough, and a lot of people in pro ball playing every day have done it enough, you know, you can see and tell what the hitter looks like off of, off of a, a slider or a split or change of whatever it is. You don't have to have some kind of computer program say, hey, you can't throw that. It doesn't work, you know, or, or a hitter to add what you're talking about. That's, that's what's kind of crazy. It kind of takes a hold of a player. And cripples him to where he can only do a certain group of things when he knows, you know, hey, this is gonna work. That's what that's what kind of kills me when it's over
2: overbearing on it, which it, a lot of times is, you know. I mean, especially as a pitcher, because some days you're not gonna have your best pitch working. So then you've got to improvise, you've got to figure it out, right? Well, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, you know, when we had our advance meetings, all we all we wanted to see was what, what he throws and how hard he throws, not. What percentage he throws in a 2-1 count with 83% humidity and 5-mile-an-hour winds coming from the southwest? You know, this is what they, they've turned it into. Just tell them. Right? Yeah. Pitching change. Rudy's got right here. How right. he throws this, this. This already. Okay. That's all I need to know. You know, I don't want to have to overthink it, right? And, and I think that's the problem. I mean, hitting nowadays is the Mendoza line is going to become the gold standard for hitting here soon. Uh, it's. I mean, I looked at a lineup the other day. The top in the starting nine, I think the highest average was two forty six. I mean, what, what, what is? This is what I mean. It's become, you know, what they've talked about. They talk about the numbers and everything. It just have changed the game of baseball. As for a pitcher, the stuff that they're teaching you. Yeah, here you go. You know, I'll, here I'll throw you some BP fastballs, right? Because you just learn to move the ball in and out. But. Too many taking third strike pitches. I mean these guys are they seem like they're they're guessing. Two oh I'm looking for a fastball, right? And these guys come out of their shoes and they miss a curveball by ten feet because or three two or something, here coming and they just frozen feet. It's it's awful and it it's a shame because it's hard to watch. I'm sorry, but it is. It's hard
3: to watch.
1: Well and the thing oh. that kills
2: me is, you know,
1: when you start looking at baseball It's only OPS, you
3: know. it's like, literally, you know. It's the higher number.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm like, well, I understand the guy hits ten more home runs than the guy, but his batting average is fifty points lower. Yeah, the OPS is gonna be the same because he's hitting way more home runs. But you know, would you rather a hit with the bases loaded and uh, two outs, or would you rather have a whatever a one in eleven or twelve chance of hitting a home run right here? You know, so of a weird, weird dynamic where everything's shifting toward. Which I, I get it. They're trying to make, get fans involved and all that. The non-baseball guys is kind of what it's doing, but it's kind of crippling it too. It is. There's no more. There's no more small ball. No, I mean, there's no more league. You know, they say America. No, there's there's no league now. We have a universal DH, so there's no league. It's just it's
2: just one league. You know, when I, when I started when I was playing, they just, interleague had just really started, and they had toyed with the idea of playing, with the, when we did interleague, a, a National League team going to American League Park, they would play National League rules, so American League fans can see National League games, right, and I, and I was I, I was on board for that, I, I love that, but now you have this universal DH, you know, and, it's, and guys aren't, and starters now, I mean, they're all going, what, four innings, five innings, I think I made a comment the other day, Danny McClain was the last to win 30, I think, correct, and that was back in the late 60s, really, somewhere in the 70s, then then twenty wins now. What is it gonna be? Fifteen? Ten? I mean, guys aren't going. And it's just just a war, OP or a war and what the defensive and what are these numbers? Babe Ruth is spinning in his grave right now. You know these numbers. You, they're throwing it out for the nerds, guys that have never played the game. That's what they're trying to get it to. But what about the people that actually play the game that don't want to hear this stuff? We just wanna go out and play enough. It, and it's becoming more and more of a job, and it's just being fun, you know. it's it's just killing it, you know. People, I mean, a lot of people don't like Banford and what he's doing to the game. So, oh, yeah.
1: well, I, I think like for me personally, and which I, obviously I come through a, obviously different time period and all that. But the thing that's so special to me about baseball compared to other sports is how like okay, a hundred years ago, what what were the the rule said and what was the, you know, it was a 60 foot, six inch, that kind of thing. When you start messing with the size of the bases and the length of, like they were talking about altering the length of the pitching mound to affect uh, offense, to make, pushing it back to make it more offense oriented and stuff like that. I'm like, man, that's, that's what baseball's special, you know, that's, that's how, that's how the game got special, not making a whole bunch of changes to make it quicker and do this and do that, you know, that, that's just kind of my two cents, but. When it's an old game and you see the same logo 120 years ago, 100 years ago, that's pretty cool. And it's, you talk, we talk about hitting with guys that were surgical with a bat, you know, they want to take out
3: the shift, really, guys who complain, you know, learn to use the entire field. <laughs> I, heard, I think I heard, a, I heard a story about John Kruk, when he was a
2: kid, I think his brothers, he was the only lefty, and when they would play baseball, I guess growing up in West Virginia, that Think right field was closed. You know, he play right field, so he had to learn to hit everything to left field. And that's why he was was able to drive the ball. And I had heard that story, and you, you figure it out, right? You figure out a way
3: to to beat to beat the shift to, to to do it. Guys don't want to. So guys, you know, they, they're, you're not going to have the Tony Gwyns anymore
2: that can, or the P. Rose they are shooting the ball here and there, and that, that were. You know, they can talk about just being served with. Okay, you're going to move over there. I'm going to hit it there. You're going to move here. I'll do it this one. Same with pitching. I believe guys don't pitch anymore. They just throw. Right? Guys are just trying to throw as hard as they can. I mean, and the guys are up there with full body armor. You know, chin shin guard, elbow guard, face guard. I mean, it's having a discussion with umpires. It's 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 getting to the point where. It's driving everybody through the wall because they can't do anything about it. And then on top of policing the game, you, know, you want something to handle? the guys came and do it. The umpires' hands are tied. You know, takeout slides, really. I mean, come on, you know. And I was talking when I was talking the Zahn, the Buster Posey rule, right? If that hadn't been Buster Posey, if that was Greg Zon, we still there wouldn't be any issues. But because it was Buster Posey. You know,
3: the same with exactly. the the slides that set you know, the takeout slides. Guys learned to do it. How do you figure it out? You knew if somebody got hit, if you were playing in middle infield. I was talking to
2: Orlando Hudson the other day. If I looked at first base and I knew it was uh, Chase Utley, right? He goes, I got to get rid of this ball quick because he's coming in harder. You know, now and that's what I mean. The guys were able to think and see that. Now it's just, oh, whatever. I can throw it. Nobody's going to do anything. It's uh, it's hard. Like I said, it is hard, hard to watch. Oh yeah. For sure.
0: I got a quick question about as you were finishing up here in the States playing ball, because I, I kept hearing you use the term about uh, you talking about familiarity and all that kind of stuff. You got really familiar with playing here, but then you ventured overseas to play. How, was that a huge transition for you, or was it just baseball? Baseball is baseball everywhere. No, it's, it's different. Have you ever seen Mr. Baseball, the movie? Uh, the, yes, uh, yeah, horribly so, made. I saw a horribly made movie called Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck,
2: right? Yeah, that's exactly and, how it is over there. It's run, and that and that's where that, my first taste of all this
3: information, the overload, got over there. They had advanced meetings, and they would sit in there for an
2: hour and go over stuff. And I told my head, I said, no, just tell me how hard he throws when he throws. That's it. Because it, it's, they ju- it's just input. They keep feeding you, feeding you information, information. Uh, one day we were in spring training and they had this, it's a quad of cages inside and one of the guys down there, and there were no balls out beyond the machine. I go, what in the world is he doing? He goes, oh, he's working on hitting foul balls, fouling balls off. I said, what? I thought you were trying to work on trying to hit the ball fair on the field. He was trying to hit foul (laughs) balls just fouling stuff
3: off.
2: And I just, I realized I was they said the information. That's the kind of stuff, though. That's that's where it started, and, and it ended up over here. And it's just, like I said, information, information, input. Right? That's what these kids want. They want you know the instant gratification with, as far as you know with social media and all that, information, information. Right? And they don't think for themselves. It becomes, you know, you, you know, it's like you know when you talk to your dog and it does this. That's, that's what it feels right. like when you talk to these kids these days. Yeah. Go out here and do this. What? have you not been taught it's it, it's front it's been as frustrating as anything I've been, my coaching itself is frustrating but when the kids can't think on their own
3: and we would do that in practice we would do, put them in situations just to see how they would react you know just because it's thinking outside the box
2: now they you know they really don't the creativity and, and the mindset is just it's completely changed. And you know and you were talking about Jeff Fry earlier and you know people don't like what he's what he's trying to do but that's all he's trying to do is, is the awareness of what he's trying to create because of how we've been taught this, this generation this you know, the bat flinch that end up 10 rows in the bleachers, you know, that take it off the shirt. Oh gosh. You know, it's, it, it's, 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 like I said, it is hard, hard to watch this, to, to see this, to see how this great game is becoming because as we've had discussions, if some guy hits a home run and I'm on deck, He's bat flipping, doing backflips down to first base. When he crosses the home plate, my first thought is, if I'm getting drilled, I'm punching you in the face when I get back to the dugout, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah.
0: But you know, the crazy thing about that is, if, for example, let's say a guy hits a nuke, a four hundred and fifty foot, five hundred foot nuke, you know, twenty years ago, take even fifteen years ago, it was guaranteed the next guy in the box was fixing to take one in the rib cage. You, you don't. I don't see that much of that anymore.
2: No, because it's like you said, the umpires—it's out of their control now, and it would be done and over with. And because when I, when I was playing, something like that would happen—you'd you, walk up to catch him, and you'd say, "Hey, just make sure it doesn't hit me in the head, right?" Just you know, right? And, and they knew, and that was it, and, and it'd be done, over with, right? But now right. it's this stuff just it just festered, and, and they can't do anything about it now. They, even if a ball gets away from them, it's, they're getting warm. But I, I talk about guys that are just throwing. The other day, I was watching some dude catcher set up away off the plate, and the dude missed by three feet and almost took the guy's head off with an 0-2 pitch. How do you? That's what I mean. They don't. They don't know how to pitch anymore. They just throw as hard as they can. And that's what I mean. You, you, you've taken this great game and basically made a mockery of it. You know how many guys can? Let's see how hard I can throw the ball. Great. Right, I mean, what what are you trying to accomplish? There's no finesse, you know. The gone are the days of the Greg Maddox, the Tom Glavins, that could, you know, that were just surgeons with that ball. They could move it in and out, right? And on top of that, you know, the bases are going to be the size of a pizza box, you know. And then umpires, I mean, they're not even. This is how they're going to call games so from right here in their the chair, uh, strike, right? So then, and then they have to deal with. Metaverse, right, What they did with wrestling and everything. You have to deal with the metaverse of fans. Well, umpire's terrible and everything else, right? That's it. This
1: is what I mean. It's become – we could basically just start over, I, I think we'd be a lot better. Oh, yeah. Well, I, speaking on the, uh, the kids not pitching and stuff like that anymore, this is kind of crazy. So in 2019, I'm playing short season, and uh, it was a tie ball game. I think it was like bottom of the 10th or something like that with two outs, and we had a, uh, a Latin player in left field who was a very uh, – had a ton of power, very good hitter. He could run very fast. He was a showcase guy. You know, if he went to a showcase and you saw this guy play, you're like, man, he would be – you know, you would think he was the best baseball player in the world. He was a very good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing him. But uh, two outs, runner at third, bottom half of the ball game. A little sinking fly ball was hit out in the left field. He doesn't try to lay out to catch it. He tries to catch it off the hop. Obviously, the runner at third is breaking as soon as the ball hit. There's two outs. And uh, he lets that ball drop. And as soon as he catches the ball, trying to let go of it to throw him out, the guy had already touched the plate on the ball game. Just a little stuff like that that, you know, a 9-year-old kid understands, hey, if, if this ball is hitting the outfield, I better lay out and try to catch it because if not, he's going to score and we lose this ball game. Like, and this was a, heck, I think this was a 21-year-old kid and played. I don't know how long he's played baseball or whatever, but this is professional baseball, you know. Pretty insane that that kind of thing can happen, you know. But that's just kind of leading up to hey, you gotta you gotta hit it ninety eight off the bat. and You gotta do this, and you gotta better run this fast. And, but it was a mind blowing scene to see from the bullpen. We lost the ball game off a sinking line drive that was not dove after. If he'd have, if he'd have just ran at it, I believe he'd have caught it. But it was like he was trying to play the hop and throw him out at the plate for whatever reason.
2: That's, that's, what two they, out. that's what they're trying to do they're trying to create the, you know they're playing it into the dive right you see a lot of these guys on TV who are you know the, oh they the sports center and and playing you go all he had to do was take two more steps as he was running he would have just caught it and but no I got I got I gotta look pretty and right and so you can get all my followers on Instagram and Twitter and everything else right make everything look good and, and you don't, I, I, we talked about this as well. The, the veteran leadership, there aren't the guys in the clubhouse to pull somebody aside and just, and just punch them in the face and say, What are you doing? Right? It's all about, you know, I'm, it's it's the me generation, right? New school is about me, old school is about the team. And that's what we're dealing with now. It's all about me. You know, like, look at me, right? Pictures. You know, I saw it in some of these college games, high school, college, whatever, striking, and they're out there just. Yelling at the other dugout and pointing at the – just act like you've done it before. It's not – you know, mm-hmm. they, they, uh, yeah. you know what's, what's this one? Let the kids play. No. Right? I mean, yeah, let the kids play yeah, in the street or something. Go do that. Go play in traffic. Right? Those are the kids who want to go play in the traffic. Right? Because that's just yeah. what, that's what we deal with. I mean, it's – even high school games, you know, kids are getting base hits and they're yelling back at the crowd with Oh yeah, no, it's like, ball it's, ball like ball. it's lost the respect. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's what happens. Nobody wants to. We get on, you know. We would get. Up. I was talking to Eric Young one day. He said, "Make we get on the plane." There's no nobody plays cards. Nobody wants to do anything. These guys have all this money. And they don't. They don't want to. They don't want to do anything. When we were playing, guys were losing thirty, forty grand playing cards on the plane. <laughs> there was a team. Right? They were there having fun out Just, you know, Nobody wants to get out. Because, and that's what I mean. There's not that, there's no, you know, uh, there aren't a lot of the older guys. And that's what I think, too, now. A lot of these, a lot of careers are going to get shorter because of what's being taught. They like talk about hitters. The the, main, the average, whatever the average uh, service
0: time is going to be, it's going to probably be on a decline from what it is now. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah,
2: you guys started something. I
0: I guess it also helps that they make hundreds of millions of dollars, so they don't have to play as long as you guys did. I,
2: I mean, I guess. I mean, people that want you to come back and play, maybe ten years ago I could probably do it now. Come back and just this. Hell, I could go out and hit two seventy-five. Right, you know, it was one of those things. You figure, you figure out what these, uh, what pitchers are doing and everything else. Had to work on
0: right.
2: getting your home run total up there. Yeah, I guess that's what it is, yeah. guys. That hit, they they,
0: they want to hit eighty. Homers. They want to hit eighty homers a year, and bat two hundred five. Yep, exactly. <laughs> they can't even hit their weight yet. But that's what they want to build teams around. That's what people want to see,
3: right? That's who was a. That's like going to watch. Was it Butterbean? Ever Butterbean? to boxer. Butterbean. You still Butter, love Butterbean. You know, Butterbean go after Mike Tyson and see what happens. Right? I mean, it's great for, you know, for show and everything else, but really, you put them in there with an actual, but that's what we're dealing with, and I, and it, and it, like I said, it's a hard pill to swallow, for sure.
0: Well, Kevin, besides what you do here, coming on shows like this, you know, bringing our follower totals up, because we know you have quite an army that follows you, what what's, what does post-career look like for you? Like, what do y'all, I mean, I know you got a podcast, because I've checked it out, It's amazing. Uh, I want all of our viewers to check him out. He'll tell you about that in just a second. But well, what else you got going on?
2: got three kids. Having, I keep hearing them banging on stuff upstairs. Uh, They've got twins in eighth grade, and i got a third grader. So it's – I just got – we went to – there's a place out here west of Fort Worth called Rockerby Ranch. They built these nice baseball, comp, baseball fields out in the middle of nowhere. Really, it's a great little setup. We were out there this weekend, so – me driving out there and I'm driving to Wiley which is on the other side of Dallas so you know chase this kids nonstop stop through the week we've got stuff going on uh, charity stuff we've got going on the Rangers have stuff going on we just we just go non-stop so I go from about six in the morning when I get up take my son to football to nine at night with sports it's just they're making me old put it that way making oh, yeah. me old for sure so I came home today and uh, got a chance just to hang out with him for a little bit, and they like said, we'll be right back to it again tomorrow. And it's it just it never it never ends. So, so how hard was
1: it? How hard was it to make that transition to being I don't know how to put it, but just a regular regular person again not a not a ball player, not training year round.
2: Was that yeah, a hard be thing, more.
3: Or were yeah, you just how tough was it to be mortal? It's, you know, a lot of guys hang on to hang on because they're chasing something. I mean, is my life complete with not playing in the playoffs or playing for World Series? No, I'm not. I wasn't. That's not why I did it. I wasn't. I just, you know, because it was, a as a kid, that's what you want to do. You want to, you want to play baseball. You, want to, you know, you pick up a baseball card and you go, that's Frank Thomas or Cal Redican. You know, and all of a sudden, you get to that point where, I got you know hanging out with Cal Ripken. You know Cal, I watched you growing up. You know Mike Schmidt. You see my post, my jersey in the back. My favorite player, my growing up, and now I'm on the same field as him. So you know that's that's all it was. I mean we.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't do that just because I don't, I don't want any special favors. I don't want, you know, uh, I just want people to be on the level with, me. you know, I don't, I've always been that way as far as, you know, understanding where I've come. I'm a blue collar guy, right? I grew up just outside of Philadelphia, you know, in, in a blue collar town, that Rocky mentality, you know, that's just, that's just who I am. I said, playing hockey, I played with, I was telling people the other day, my, the hockey demographic was completely different from my baseball demographic. You know, these guys were, you know, they were, they weren't they, even the middle class, you know, lower middle class. They were, but they were a bunch of fun kids, a bunch of fun guys that we were around because it was, that's just what it was. That mentality is different, you know, so you get to see that and you get to see just, just different sports. Now, my daughter's playing basketball. My son's playing football, two sports that i I never played, but I'm able to sit there and watch and kind of enjoy it. You know, I, I, I got away from coaching this summer uh, just because of, you know, kids stop listening at, at this age, thirteen or 13, 14, so I went
3: to, uh, uh, so I just tried to s- sit away from everything, but I can't avoid the stupid. I still, I could be sitting a mile away from a game, and I still hear stupid that's going on, with, with the, and it drives me nuts. I need to get some noise-canceling headphones, one of those little plastic bubbles, and just sit there and not lay my body. So, because I don't want to, as much as I want to say something, you know, you're just, you get to that point, but it's... And it's tough but at the same time and I, and I don't try and overstep my balance to let somebody actually asks the question then, then I'll give my two cents you know
2: and, that, and, it's, and it's hard though right because you have all these you know, the Monday morning quarterbacks the people that read on Google well Google says you should do this right you should, Google says, oh well then, you know
0: that's what you try and that's the stuff that's hard to deal with. We were talking about what you were doing after you left the game and i mentioned just a second ago you have a podcast uh, it has it, you have one of the most uniquely named podcasts i've ever heard and i know the story behind it because that's a record that you hold that you haven't talked about you actually hold two separate records that i was pretty impressed with um uh, you're pretty upset with mike trout right now because he just you know you had a little luster there because you were the only right-hander to have done it and now he's joined you i saw you congratulate him though no, that was that
2: yeah. was a great fact and I, well, Mike grew up just across the bridge in Jersey, South Jersey. And I know his dad. His dad was in Delaware. Uh, I'd run into Mike uh, a couple of a bunch of opening days at the old ballpark and, uh, and, talk, and, and talk to him uh, about it. But it was just one of those things where, you know, it, it's when he, him doing it, like I said, he's, I'm an Eagles fan. He's, a, he's an Eagles fan. We grew up right there. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad he was able to do it. And, and records are meant to be broken. Right, it was just one of those things people would ask me during that, that stretch. Uh, the media, you know, are you tired? You know, what are your thoughts on all this? I said I'll be glad when you guys stop bothering, me. right? And you know, in hindsight, I think when this streak started, I, you know, the whole shoe thing. I changed shoes. I hit a ball in Seattle before we had come home, and I started a streak. And I think it missed going. I think it hit the top of the wall, so I probably would have been at eight, give or take three or four inches. Um, and then going into Cleveland, and it's funny Mike tied the record in Cleveland where I tied the where I set the record in Cleveland, and uh, I actually got the ball because it hit the uh, the metal fencing and came back on the field. It's somewhere in, in my stash up here of
3: baseballs that I have it. And, um, and 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 to do it, it just I never really thought about it. You know that that Saturday was when I think the streak ended. I
2: mean, I never wasn't trying to hit home runs. What, should I have done it? Like I said, in hindsight, yeah. But what would that have done for my team? Me going up there to try and hit a home run—it wouldn't have been. And right. you know, it was just one of those things where it was—you know—it was fun while it lasted. And like I said, I'm glad that if anybody that he was able to do it because, like I said, he's, a, he's an East Coast guy, um, and everybody and people I, people come up to me. We didn't know you had that. It's, I mean, I don't. It's not like I walk around with a T-shirt on that says, "You know, this is what I've done. I've done this and that." Uh, but when they do bring it up, people will say, well, they have these guys. And they said, no, those guys are all lefties. And then I think Kendrick Morales switch hit, is a switch hitter. So, and right, there's more lefties, there's more righty, at that time, more righty pitchers than there were lefties to be able to do it. And it's, it's not something you actually, you know, you really think about.
0: Well, for our viewers that have not figured out what we're talking about. He uh, he hit a home run in seven consecutive games, which is amazing. There are a few that have hit eight and g- I think there's six or seven that have hit eight
2: in a no, row. We're down long, Junior Griffey and Mattingly. Because
0: oh, yeah. oh yeah, the big deal is they're all. You were the only right hander on the list, though. Yeah, and then Mike Trout ruined your moment. <laughs> no, it's like I said. Uh, r- the records are just there.
2: That's that somebody's going to break it one day. Uh, but I talked to Mattingly about it. They were in town, I think, and he had done his over the All Star break, so he had that time. I think he played the All Star game the year, so he had some days off. I only had one day off in between. So I mean, in doing that, but it was one of those things where you just you don't even you don't even think about it. But I do have the ball. Like I said,
0: it's somewhere. I think the Rangers have number six, and I have number seven somewhere up there. Well, there's there's one record that you will always hold, uh, it, you actually, your podcast is named after it, Big Head Pod, you have the largest uh, recorded hat size in Major League Baseball.
2: Oh, the internet's all lies, don't
0: you? All <laughs> I just told you that, the Google said so, and I believe it. You know what's funny, like that, uh, I want to say it was 0405, Detroit was in town, and they had a pitcher named Matt, he Matt Rooney, And you know the the whole the whole head thing. Somebody goes, "You need to go check this out."
2: He came over and and uh, we were talking. And I put his hat on, and I was swimming in it. It was it it was. uh, I mean, I was like, "Holy cow!" And the problem is with these hats nowadays. If if you go buy a box of size seven and a half hats, they're not all going to fit like a seven and a half. They're going to fit like a seven and a quarter, seven and seven eighths. So I would get a hat. I go in there and I put one on, and you know sometimes it would look like a yonka, other times it would be like an umbrella. So and I would make, and that was this—that was the thing. So I would sometimes I'd have to cut a hat, but, but it was just one of those. If we go on the road, I need a hat. Sometimes it was smaller, sometimes it, it just—it just buried. So I, the internet's all lies. Don't believe anything that, that's ever—that's <laughs> ever wrong. Toby, do you have on Visors. I like Pfizer's better.
0: No, <laughs> do you have any idea how large his hat size is? Uh,
1: if, it's, if it's in the eights, it's
0: big. Well, I'm going to tell you that Google, Google, had eight and a quarter, but a independent source and a half. That must be, you must have had a head full of hat if you were eight and a half. I, I've been just like this, and it's all
2: Bochy's eight got a big 40. head, too. Bruce Bochy's got a big one, too. But I, but no, I, it's uh, it's funny because I have a hat, and there's something getting Oh, well, we were trying on hats the other day. We were at a at a whiskey distillery, and Craig Ludwig played for the stars, goes, Benji you put this on, I looked, and it was, you know, it was one of the buttons that had the, you know, the, in the snapbacks, and I looked, it was like five buttons in, I said, <laughs> he, put, he put it on, I said, let's put this on, because so I think he had a big hit, it was, it was probably like a seven and a quarter, mm-hmm. and I put it on, I was sitting up top, so I said, alright, let me open it, it was on the last button, you know, where the thing just sits, and <laughs> so I have some hats in there, that I have, a, uh, have got the, uh, some electrical tape on there, just the, hold the in. I'll just
0: say, if, if you truly wear an eight and a quarter, eight and a half, whatever it is, if you turn that cap sideways, that's like a tire cover for a Kia Sophia. That's how large that is. Yeah, and
3: it's, you know what's funny? So we were, I was in Milwaukee, and uh, I get this package
2: on my chair, and I walk, and I opened it up, it says Big Melon here. And I think, what in the world?
3: So it was a hat. I actually still wear the hat to this day of play golf. This was in 2006. So this was 17 years ago. I still
2: have the hat. I wear it. And these guys, and they're from Pittsburgh, and I met them. They came to the ballpark, and, and their their slogan was, one size never fits all. And they had another one saying, it was just love your melon. And I somebody Googled it a couple months ago, and I think they're still around. But I just, I, I need deep on the hat. I need something deep. You know, you get those hats where it, that sits here and it doesn't want to come down over your ears. I wanted to, so no, I don't. I don't like hats. I like visors and everything else. But no, and you know how the whole thing started with the head thing, right? Rusty Greer, Rusty started that, and I hate him for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that takes a nickname Shrek around the major leagues has got to have a large head. So, yeah, he started
2: the whole thing during spring training. He's the one who started the whole thing.
0: Hope you got anything before we let him out of here.
2: No, uh,
1: well, we appreciate it, obviously. Uh, Big time having you on here. Thank you for, uh, I know you got a busy schedule. Thank
3: you for coming on here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's been awesome. It's guys, fun. make sure you check out his
0: podcast, Big Head Pod. Now you know the story behind it. And he has amazing guests. Uh, matter of fact, I, I checked in on uh, one of my favorite players ever, Rafael Primera. I love the conversation that you guys had, so. We want to thank you. Can't, but well, we can't thank you enough for coming on, and we'd love to have you on in the future.
3: And anytime,
2: guys. You guys got my number. Anytime I come on here and talk, I love to just sit here and, and talk about, you know, just different anything, anything and everything. But you know, like I said, the big my big head pod, it's on. Uh, it's on the Dub Network, DubTalks.com. They're on there. There's they created this whole thing. Like I said, just a chance just to people
3: just to hear different stuff. Right? People are tired of the same song. Everybody's it's got a story, story. and that's, that's the beauty of it. So i got some good guests coming up here in uh, the
2: next few weeks. So I said so. look forward to it. Anytime you guys want to be on, you can always call. Anytime. I'm always here. That's good, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, Tim. Right. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. That's
0: going to be it for today. We'll see you guys live next Sunday with another guest. Have a
1: good evening, guys. Now a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys. Kobe here. As my journey continues, people tell me as I battle on the mound, it's really a game that's purely mental. But I understand that the physical well-being is equally important. Mike and Christy Johnson of our title sponsor, The Clinic at Farmers Med Shop, in my hometown of Foxworth, Mississippi, echo the same sentiment. When you're looking for the answer for all your health needs, call or stop by and let Mike and his wonderful staff help you be the best you can be. Honesty, integrity, and hard work. These are characteristics that drive me on my journey. The same can be said for Hunter Forbes and his crew. So call or contact Forbes & Son Wood Products, LLC, in Sandy Hook, Mississippi for all your timber harvesting needs.